Welcome to another episode of the Wes Henderson Podcast, where I utilize my vast experience in education to kind of break down as objective as possible of what's going on in the world. And it's just pretty much anything that I find currently fascinating. And right now, what I'm finding fascinating is the Media Matters article put out against X, formerly known as Twitter. And it seems like it's really an ad hominem at times. An ad hominem fallacy is when you attack the source or perhaps a person behind the subject matter that you're trying to debate or attack. So if I'm going up into a courtroom against someone, maybe I attack that person and avoid exactly why we're actually in the courtroom for. It seems like with such a polarizing figure as Elon Musk, that happens a lot. Everyone just monitors every single move he does because he he's just everywhere. People may hate him for the fact that he is everywhere and he's in your face and he controls so much of what's going on as far as Tesla, SpaceX, Starlink, and now X.com, or just because they just disagree with how he wants to run things or just because he's rich. Some people just have that sort of prejudice against someone that has a certain amount of wealth, whatever. So he becomes this target for a lot of people. Now, Media Matters, on the other hand, I... I don't want to attack like the content of who they are, but a lot of the stuff they publish is rather controversial. I think they make a lot of their publicity on those just big major headlines. And right now it's exactly that. So if we pull up an article pro Hitler and Holocaust denier account X has paid me $3,000 in ad revenue sharing a verified account that has drawn millions of views for posts that ionize or lionize Hitler. Um, sorry, lionize. I don't actually don't know that word and deny the Holocaust said it's been paid 3000 this year by X Elon Musk. Uh, his platform has continued to be a boon for bigots and misinformation, but a disaster for advertisers. We found numerous advertisements for companies on that pro Hitler account, including for major sports books, bet MGM, DraftKings, and FanDuel. So I, I just disagree with the way the Media Matters account starts off by stating what the account is, but exactly, you know, what is the underlying messaging? I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I don't want to endorse that account in any way, but the way they just started out would be in that realm of ad hominem fallacy that people's advertisements are aligned because this is the underlying rhetoric or just the idea behind the person managing the accounts. And then they followed up with another article showing X is placing ads for Amazon, NBA, Mexico, NBC Universal, and others next to content with white nationalist hashtags. And they go on and they show just exactly what that looks like in terms of screenshots in people's timelines, potentially. Hate speech apparently is just up across the board. What dictates and what defines hate speech in whoever's reporting it is not the same as what hate speech would be in terms of unprotected speech, you know, for the United States government to go after someone. So it becomes really subjective when someone's deciding whether or not something's hate speech. Hate speech for some people is just that they disagree with your point of view and it triggers them in some capacity or they just overall don't want to hear the subject matter. And that's hate speech. And that that that's a troubling 
narrative. Again, I, I go towards the idea that I want to listen to understand, not to respond. I'm not married to any ideas or person and have any loyalty towards like a, someone like an Elon Musk. Do I think that he's doing some fantastic things? Absolutely. But if I found out tomorrow that he's doing some illegal things and that there's some underlying sort of negative or evil motive that is driving him to do all of his different endeavors, you know, that, yeah, I, I, there, there's no protection. The way people protect people that they just don't even know is just, it, it's unbelievable. I feel like you should improve the person you are at the, the best of your ability and to continually educate yourself, improve upon itself. And when new information comes to you that you otherwise didn't know that changes your perspective or the way you see things or the way you understand things, then you take it, it becomes a new tool in your tool bag. And that's how you should move forward. I believe that's the right way. And if everybody does that, we get more independent thinkers, we get more diversity of communication and knowledge of information. And that's what humanity is best at. Just this whole diverse viewpoint on the world and how you take what you know and understand and bring it to the table and communicate in a civilized matter. That I believe it was the intent when social media was born. I've even heard Mark Zuckerberg talk about it where he thought that connecting people from multiple like vast distances across the world was going to create this diversity of ideas and communication. But what it did instead that like-minded individuals rather than hearing adverse positions to theirs, they just stuck. And then what that did was confirmation bias, what they already thought was correct and amplified it. And I, I think that's what we're seeing right now with a lot of the quote unquote hate speech and these groups, people are just finding themselves that they otherwise wouldn't have seen. Like, even if you are like the 0.01% of the population and you think this crazy way that just nobody else does, you're going to find a decent size group of vocal minority people on these social media platforms and it's going to be amplified. But just because those groups are just, you know, objectively crazy or whatever, does that mean that these social media platforms are responsible for muting their speech or is it protected on the First Amendment? We have seen over time, and it came out during the acquisition of Elon of Twitter, now X, that there was some third parties out there that were helping monitor certain information. And this whole distrust of media started coming about. Mark Zuckerberg's alluded to the fact in long-form interviews of using it on the meta platforms, which would be Facebook and Instagram. And then it becomes, who can you trust? How do they monitor who is objectively looking at something, understanding it, and then deciding whether or not that person is allowed to post on the platform? Or they have some sort of shadow banning where people just can't find their information, their voice is muted, not amplified as it should be, even if they've got millions of followers, because perhaps one person... And this could be someone fresh out of college with some sort of different ideologies than an individual. So I mentioned the fresh out of college just because of lack of life experience in those types of entry level roles of doing the monitoring can then mute that person. And that's the effect that they have on the world. So now you have less information. And what are the parameters? What is the liability of a social media company? Elon's position with Twitter has long been 
Let's protect freedom of speech. Let's abide by the law. Even in their user agreement, their terms and conditions, you can go through. You can find that as long as it's not violating any aspect of law, whether you're not in the United States or wherever someone's utilizing the platform, perhaps that person should be allowed to speak out. Now, that's where we get to what is freedom of speech. And I had to dig back into my constitutional law notes just to find the most succinct way to explain to someone the actual rules of freedom of speech and the underlying theory as to why we only protect it upon certain limits. So the freedom of speech general rule, the first amendment provides Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech or of the press, but the right is not absolute unprotected categories cover incitement, fighting words, defamation, obscenity. So, under Elon Musk's new supervisory role and kind of just like the new ideology that went to Twitter, those are the limitations. As long as you're not posting something that is an unlawful act, then you should be allowed to say it. Now, the other thing, he's attempting this policing as far as the accuracy of information. So there is some policing out there as far as the accuracy, but a part of the user agreement is you, you shouldn't rely upon everything out there that's published. And that's kind of the danger of social media too, right? Is anybody can post anything at any time, even this video that I'm posting right now, you know, you would have to do additional research and I would encourage you to do such as far as the information presented. And I'll put links to everything that I'm referencing and showing in this video down in the description. So those, those are it. Now, why? Why are there these theories of freedom of speech and how does that extend and should extend to social media platforms? Well, there's three reasons. One, self-governance. Freedom of speech is crucial and crucial in a democracy. Open discussion of candidates essential for voters to make informed selections in elections. People influence their government's choice of policies through speech. And public officials are held accountable through criticisms. So you can replace any of that with just any person. So if you're someone who's posting on social media and you're continually getting something wrong, 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 well, on X now, you can get the policing of accuracy of information. Um, it's now going to be heavily weighted for people that tend to be more correct in their assessment of information. And if you're just continually doing it, then there's the self-governance portion, is that the community as a whole can self-govern and police individuals that are just continually posting false information. Now, the discovering of truth, I think this is very important, especially with like coming from a science background. You publish a science paper and people want to reproduce it and then they want to have a debate because through the discussion of untruths ultimately becomes truths. I actually heard Michio Kaku, um, that was probably a summarized version of what he said, but say something to that fact and that's how the world works. When people say one thing, we can challenge it. We can have a discussion. We can understand what their position is and then have a meeting of the minds. A marketplace of ideas is actually what's written here in my law notes. The power of thought to get itself accepted in the completion of the market, the marketplace of ideas. But critics say not all ideas will enter, and even if they do, some drown out others. Wealthy, um, so, sorry, I've got some other notes here because I'm kind of reading them on the fly. That this is where, in the marketplace of ideas, if you silence opposition or certain wealthy actors within like 
cable news networks have access to just the platform that is more amplified. The issue comes with marketplace ideas that it drowns out the minority of whatever platform that you're looking. So that, that that's the danger. If you have one ideology that is being pushed as the narrative and you silence the opposition, then you're not getting all the information and you're just, you're playing with a half deck. You don't have all of the tools necessary to make a proper informed decision. And that, that that's incredibly dangerous. So I, I know I keep referencing back to X, but that's just the ideology that we are being told out front of how Elon Musk is running the platform. So we saw a revitalization of what people deemed to be hate speech because it was no longer silenced. Now, on the other side of things, if your ideology is in line with what other people deem to be hate speech, then what the other people post would be hate speech, which it's, it's very confusing. It's very odd. So that's kind of what we're doing. Now, this goes back to that self-governance. So everyone, if it's just flat out wrong, flat out, just so outlandish, crazy, nutso, shouldn't be posted, there is self-governance within the platform. And then three, advancing personal autonomy to engage voluntarily in a speech act is to engage in self-definition or expression, protecting speech because it is a crucial aspect of autonomy sees expression as intrinsically important. We have to have the ability to communicate, except if we go back in unprotected categories, which are the incitement, fighting words, defamation, and obscenity. This has been challenged, and I will pull up a Supreme Court decision that was done in 2023. And what was found was that Twitter was not liable for certain actions. And it was because aiding and abetting conspiracy liability in the civil tort context is not unlimited. To succeed on such a claim, the plaintiffs who blame Twitter for inciting violence must offer specific allegations to show a nexus between the acts or inactions alleged and the wrongful act that damaged them in order to clear the bar of knowing unsubstantial assistance. Without allegations that they actively assisted wrongful acts, social media companies and other media defendants are likely relatively safe from lawsuits seeking to impose liability for criminal terrorist acts that merely make use of the company's platforms. If social media and similar companies set up universally applicable systems like open access and agnostic content algorithms, those alone are not enough to impose liability for aiding and abetting criminal acts. However, the Supreme Court cautioned that there could be scenarios where the provider of a routine service does so in an unusual way or sell such dangerous products that providing either to a terrorist group could constitute aiding and abetting a foreseeable terror act. There's got to be some sort of agnostic algorithm that is independent of the content being posted. Um, Justice Jackson authored a concurring opinion only to emphasize that the court's decision was a narrow one based on its procedural posture and without a fully developed factual record. Justice Jackson's concurrence, albeit brief, leaves room for a different result under different allegations. So it's just not, you know, it's not the court's decision to create law. But they did leave it open for interpretation of other outset facts. It just happened that the current facts of the case that were being challenged at the Supreme Court against Twitter um, for aiding and abetting a terrorist act, just it was found unfounded. And 
it's it's tough. It's really tough. Now, I don't want to get too far off the beaten track, as I already have, but we can go back to this media matters kind of allegation against Elon Musk. And we go back to the articles. Um, So as a result, companies are pulling funding off of X now, or sorry, advertising. Now, they're not fully pulling off at this moment for what I've seen. They're currently pausing, assuming there's an investigation as far as what the Media Matters article has stated. And in response to that, Elon has decided to go what he has deemed to be thermonuclear. And I'm pulling up this. And I like to call the way I present facts subjectively objective because I want to present the facts as they are. So there's a Media Matters article that's accusing Elon Musk for, again, the running of Twitter. So I I shouldn't say accusing Elon Musk. I should, should say accusing X for placing ads next to what would be deemed objectively harmful content. And they've got numerous screenshots again showing like this Amazon ad next to Pepe the Frog. Um, they've got NBA Mexico next to what are we doing to white people? <laughs> like, I mean, you know, on its face, I look at this and I guess if I'm a corporation, the immediate reaction would be to pause ads just based on this. Now, here's the problem I have with this article. I want to be subjectively objective. So my subjective opinion of this article is I don't have the underlying methodology as to how they have created this. Now, a lot of people out there, including myself, I use X formerly known as Twitter, and I don't see a lot of these hate accounts or these like extremist accounts on my feed. It is a curated uh, feed. Even there's a for you. There's specifically who I'm following. And I, I don't, I just don't have those pop up and I do have ads going between a lot of things. And I'd say I'd like, I have a diverse following of information sources. So when I don't see exactly the underlying methodology of how they found these, it, it, it's pretty skeptical. It's half baked. If I were to turn this in as a research paper, whether in law school or in a biochemistry program like I was in, I'd say this fails. Like I I can't, you know, understand how they were able to get to this. Um, They do have some information, but it's again, it's just not how, how did they get an account just to all of a sudden show them just this? Well, Elon has a theory and I say theory, but it is backed by a lot of (laughs) underlying information. So here is what Elon does. And to the detriment of Media Matters, X, because it's their platform, has access to all the user information. And as far as their terms and conditions, they're able to dig into it and figure out what's going on. So here are the facts on Media Matters research. This is posted on Elon Musk's Twitter account. To manipulate the public and advertisers, Media Matters created an alternate account and curated the posts and advertising appearing on the account's timeline to misinform advertisers about the placement of their post. These contrived experiences could be applied to any platform. Once they curated their feed, they repeatedly refreshed their timelines to find a rare instance of ads serving next to the content they choose to follow. Our logs indicate that they forced a scenario resulting in 13 times the number of ads served compared to the median ad server to an X user. 
Of the 5.5 billion ad impressions on X that day, less than 50 total ad impressions were served against all of the organic content featured in the Media Matters article. For one brand showcasing the article, one of its ads ran adjacent to a post two times, and that ad was seen in that setting only by two users, one of which was the author of the Media Matters article. For another brand showcasing the article, two of its ads served adjacent to two posts three times, and that ad was only seen in that setting by one user, the author of the Media Matters article. Media Matters article also highlights nine posts that they believe should not be allowed on X. Upon evaluation, only one of the nine organic posts in the article violated our content policies. Hey, this right there, that is an acceptance of something that slipped through the system. And I mean, that's appreciative when you're giving a set of facts. There's no omittance in Elon's position on what he's posting. Whereas... I find a lot of omittance in what the Media Matter article posted. Not saying that they did was wrong. I'm just saying that there are numbers, there are facts, and that's what I appreciate as someone from a science background, from a legal background. Upon evaluation, only one of the nine organics posts featured in the article violated our content policies, and we have taken action on it under our freedom of speech, not reach enforcement approach. Here's a summary on all this. X will protect the rights, the public's rights to free expression, freedom of speech. We will not allow agenda-driven activists or even our own profits to deter our vision. Everyone has a choice on X. User and brand control on X is superior to a year ago. Data wins over allegations. Media matters does not reflect the user experience on X. That's where you're going to take your own personal experience using the platform or any social media platform and understand if that is something that's correct. He also stated that he was going thermonuclear on Media Matters, and in that position, Media Matters kind of pushed back and said that they're ready and that they stand by their article. If I were taking a position, so when I was in law school, you had to understand it from multiple positions. Some people call it dynamic thought theory, but that I've taken that just to think about how I think about everything in the world. So if, you know... If, even if I'm going to buy something, why would I buy it? Why wouldn't? If I want to read something, why would I read it? Why wouldn't I? If I there's some sort of idea, why do I think that way? What's the adverse way of thinking? And anyway, so in this position, because Media Matters was able to actually create this sort of output from Twitter, perhaps that could mean... It is a caution to advertisers. That is absolutely true. Even though the algorithm curated this, potentially based on the data from X, it still can be seen as a problem. Like I don't think in any sort of curated way at all would any of these, you know, corporations want to be shown along any of this. That's something that I'm sure would be to their detriment, except for if someone is actually having that curated, that's of their interest. And I guess that's a private curation of the algorithms of themselves. So that is kind of playing devil's advocate against maybe X's position. I don't think it's a very strong one. I'm just trying to understand what the potential position would be of media matters in this case. And it's not just X. Like, X is in the news because, again, Elon's a polarizing figure. We can look at something like this article where 
Instagram earned millions in advertising dollars from a company under investigation for over-prescribing stimulants. Uh, so Media Matters is agnostic in terms of who they go after. But it seems like they get a lot of pushback on their theory of how they go about doing things, I guess, or methodology. Uh, nothing seems to be so far outlandish that it's lying. Like, I don't think that in any way. It's just, you can create a narrative if you do enough research and spend enough time. That's that's what I'm kind of concluding on my own as far as my subject subjectivity. But it's good. Like, I, I think an organization, despite how media matters may be viewed, like, again, I don't want this ad hominem fallacy as far as attacking who they are, because I really haven't done that. Re- like, to be completely honest, I haven't done that much research. But I also think it's good that there's organizations out there, despite whatever their background is, their history is, their methodology, to challenge large organizations, especially with the power of social media, to have them reevaluate. But it shouldn't be a fallacy on the underlying methodology as well you know, to, it can't be wrong to make a right. Like for example, like the media matters post of X and all this advertisement required X to then evaluate the feed. And they found that there was one content posting that violated their terms and conditions. So they got rid of it. It's, you know, it's just, it's a head scratcher. It's, it's up for you to interpret and make up your own decision of what's going on. Going to the subjectivity side, I personally have seen much better curation in the amount of news. I liked early on Twitter when it was just being able to refresh, but I've heard Mark Zuckerberg, I've heard Jack Dorsey, I've heard a number of these social media titans talk about why there's issues with the way algorithms work and how they can be manipulated. And it, it's not a perfect science, but I do appreciate the ideology of following freedom of expression, freedom of speech, protecting that and not being any more restrictive as we've seen Facebook, we've seen Instagram and other social media platforms be in terms of what can be posted and how it's policed. It's, it's a dangerous game and I don't know the right answer, but those are the facts like right now, as far as going back and forth media matters versus X.com. And I'll just throw Elon Musk in there because he is for sure the face of it. And just tell me in the comments what you think about everything that's going on. I appreciate you listening and also watching. See you in the next one.